Lobsters are like a sandwich. If you eat them, they're broken. Peter Kristoff. Alexander Weinstein is the director of the Martha's Vineyard Institute of Creative Writing. He's an MFA student at Indiana University and a graduate of Naropa University. His work has appeared in Rio Grande Review, Hawaii Pacific Review, Acapella Zoo, and Zahir. Welcome to The Poet's Weave. I'm Christopher Citrell. Alexander, what have you brought to read to us today? I'm going to read Post-Industrial Love. I awoke that morning to a horrendous noise and believed a creature with a face of a thousand drills was devouring a steel beam. I got out of bed, walked to my bathroom window, and parted the curtains. In the parking lot, I saw a group of men in plastic yellow suits destroying my car. One of them was driving a bulldozer with an enormous drill bit attached to it. He positioned the drill in the center of the sunroof. The other men yelled things like, All right, you got it, and go ahead. Then the awful noise of the machine started up again, and the drill chewed into my car, spitting metal and upholstery all over the gravel. What kind of nonsense is this, I thought, and went to get my jacket and shoes on. This was the reason I arrived 15 minutes late to the restaurant and in turn why my friend Roger won't return my calls anymore. Roger's the type of guy who, if you take him to the zoo, can't help yelling inappropriate things at the animals like, come and try to get my wallet, you idiot. In short, not always the easiest guy to get along with. He was annoyed that I was late and wouldn't accept my excuse. We shared a plate of General So's chicken in complete silence. The main problem was that when I needed a wooden coat rack, Roger wouldn't help. Roger has a number of high-quality coat racks that he's always lent me when I needed them. He had an assortment with him at the restaurant that day, but said given my tardiness, he couldn't bring himself to part with them, which meant I was up the creek without a coat rack. My fiancé was arriving from Denver that afternoon, and having a coat rack to hang her jacket on as soon as she got off the airplane was of ultimate importance to her. During intimate moments, she'd related how her parents never brought coat racks to the airport and how deeply that had affected her. I was the only boyfriend that had ever cared enough. Ever since increased security, she'd been forced to wait until she got to baggage claim to hang her coat. I always made a point to be there waiting with one. Admittedly, it would have been wise to have a coat rack of my own, but Roger was always forthcoming with his. A hanger was out of the question. There's something frightening, almost criminal, about appearing in public with a hanger. A wooden coat rack, on the other hand, carries an air of respectability. My fiancé was already at baggage claim, her coat in a pile by her feet, when I arrived. Her mascara was streaked with tears. Where's the coat rack? She asked as I gave her a kiss. I'm sorry, Roger didn't give me his. Roger's a jerk. Look at my coat. I picked her coat up from the floor and hung it over my arm. It looked pathetic hanging like that. Why weren't you here on time? I'm sorry. Some men came and destroyed my car this morning. Oh, my God. It's okay. They were from the city. Oh. She wiped her tears with a tissue. Well, I brought you something from Denver. She picked up a small plastic pet carrier from the floor. Inside, I could make out the black and white fur of a small cat. Hi, kitty, I said, poking my finger through the wire door. Get your finger out of there. It's a Tasmanian devil. They bite through bone in seconds. I pulled my finger back out. I thought you might want to name him Lou. That's my name, I said. I know. I thought you could learn something from him. It was then that I realized something had changed in my fiancé. She was acting too sweet. She'd never brought me back presents from a trip, and here she was suddenly giving me a Tasmanian devil. On the shuttle ride home, it came out. I like Denver, she told me. She turned towards me. I'm tired of being together with you. I want to live somewhere that has more homeless people. There are homeless people by the co-op, I said. The co-op has an awful hot bar. I couldn't argue with that. 
Sometimes they try to expand their choices from rice and beans, sautéed vegetables, and grilled tempeh, but it's true. It's really pretty boring. I promised I'd put in a comment card. Geez, Lou, you just don't get it, do you? And the fact was I didn't. But for a moment, as the shuttle drove us down the highway, I saw my fiancé as I always wanted to remember her, her face highlighted by the fluorescent lights of the shuttle, the sound of Lou crunching through the buffalo wings we'd brought him, and speeding past on a billboard behind her, the fleeting phrase, Ask what Geico can do for you. You've been listening to Alexander Weinstein on The Poet's Weave. I'm Christopher Citro.